What a week it has been. We have met entrepreneurs across Florida, entrepreneurs I have met in Florida, all of the above. And today we are shining light on someone who hustles around the clock and loves giving his customers a great experience. Welcome to another episode of the Gasparilla Overload. My name is Vincent A. Lancey, and I am ready to shine light on an awesome Tampa entrepreneur. When I moved to a new area at the beginning of 2020, it was nearly impossible for me to find a good sub, let alone a good Italian sub, a good London broil like Mickey makes. This is where I stumbled across Mickey's subs right there in Tampa near UT. All the sandwiches are incredible. As I mentioned, the owner is someone you do want to do business with. He's friendly, personable, and as I mentioned, he's hustling. He's got a lot of lessons learned for you entrepreneurs who are bootstrapping it all around the clock. I've been watching his brand grow, and now we're talking about behind the scenes, all about his second location. So we're going to learn about the behind the scenes of that and so much more. I learned that he's also passionate about and active in helping and coaching the next generation of business owners. So he was obviously a good fit for us. Did some studying at Johnson & Wales University for culinary, and then it was off to the races. So stay tuned for a great show, and stay tuned for the halfway point where we're this week's Spotlight Story is on another entrepreneur who crushed it in the food space, the sandwich space, Subway founder, Fred DeLuca. Get Mickey's take on it. And I have never heard this story, so I was excited to learn that. Mickey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. I really appreciate it. We're going to hop right into this, Mickey. It's Gasparilla Week. We don't have time to waste. Why did you become an entrepreneur? What led you down to this path of doing your own thing? What started me down my entrepreneurial journey was... Uh, a guy when I was 19 years old got me in working with him selling, uh, doing thinning machines, soda and snack machines. And when I was, I guess, right around 19, the right around 20, my 20 year old birthday, he decided it was time for me to go off on my own and, and help guide me through the process of buying my machines and getting started and getting into business. And that's where I got my first taste of like entrepreneurship. Uh, business didn't last for very long, maybe about a year, you know, little success at the beginning. And then we failed out, but we uh, got, we learned a lot. After that, somewhere I kind of bounced around through the kitchens, lear learning how to cook pizzas and things like that. Okay. And uh, my, my mom gave me an opportunity of all people, her moms are super supportive. My mom gave me an opportunity to go sell restaurant equipment at this company called Brandon Restaurant Supply here in Tampa, down the street from my shop. And I was 23 years old. And uh, within a couple of weeks, the owner passed away and left me the company to run his family left it to me to run on a daily basis. And I never sold any restaurant equipment. I didn't know anything about it. Wow. Um, but I was working for this family that needed me to step up at the time. And uh, so I, I started with them and I lasted two and a half years. And we did a ton of projects and bought restaurants out when they were closing down and bought their supplies and resold them. And uh, through that process, I caught that education again from a small business, a family-owned business, teaching me now the ins and outs of, uh, of what it takes to run this kind of business, their kind of business. This segment is sponsored by Bedrock Business Builders, a small business startup specialist. Start, build, manage. So when I turned 25, I decided it was time for me to go to culinary school. My friends were all coming back with degrees, master's degrees. Uh, I kind of felt this left out void. You know, it was time for me to go get an education. So... I applied for Johnson and Wales and uh, off to Charlotte. I went at 25 years old as probably the oldest freshman in the, in the thing. After 18 months up there, I came back to Tampa and started becoming a contract chef and local 
chef, just kind of working at any odd job that I could find that was a good home. Right. I did that for about two and a half years, three years, about 15 different restaurants or so. Uh, and then got the best job that was ever allotted to me was to become the regional sales. We'll call a manager for lack of a better term for Tico people's gas to sell natural gas and uh, natural gas commodities. And the biggest consumer of those is restaurants, yeah. hotels, <laughs> so all hospitality products, projects, projects. So three years after doing that, uh, I lasted there for three years and we did something like 700 new construction projects. Wow. I got to, I got to see every uh, hospitality project in Hillsborough, Pasco, Polk and Highland County for three years, every single one. I got to meet every owner, every chef, every manager, and we'd sit and learn about your project. And I picked up all of this stuff, all this information and knowledge and stuff through osmosis, you know, but I was eager to try to learn about it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, after three and a half years, I saw that there was not a, a sandwich shop like mine anywhere around in the surrounding counties, anywhere I had actually driven around Florida and visited I never found something like I wanted to create. Yeah. Uh, so in the last year, last eight months at Tico, or uh, at Tico, we uh, conceptualized Mickey's, and I, I cashed out the four hundred one k and and cashed out the bank account. And here we are, three and a half years later. Love it, dude. Well, you're gonna rebuild that account in no time at the rate you're at, and plus another store. Keep up the great work. Subs in Tampa, and we're now at three and a half years old. And last year, we got blessed with an opportunity to partner with a group called Duckweed Urban Grocery out of Tampa. And we currently maintain, you know, sandwiches with inside the, the, the convenience stores and we, we sell product out of there. And one of the properties uh, built out a sandwich shop space and uh, they reached out and wanted me in there. So after a few months of negotiating, uh, with some money and some other things like that, we were able to navigate this and get the second location open, which is, again, something I've been pushing for, but couldn't quite get get it down, you know? And uh, we're there. Uh, we're, it's at uh, West Shore Marina District now. It's small little space. It's inside the store. It's perfect. I'm looking forward that. to seeing it blossom. Well, congratulations again on all that success. You mentioned something else there in negotiations, how that took quite a bit of time. What advice can you offer some of our entrepreneurs listening out here, here or maybe who are stuck in a negotiation or about to start a negotiation, some things that helped you actually move along the process? Well, one of the things is I have a, I have a friend who's an attorney in Tampa and he does stuff with business litigation. And I had him re look over my lease, lease agreements and, and, uh, some of the other contracts that I have going currently with my first location. Mm -hmm. And he was able to navigate some holes or see some holes that were in there that we needed to close up. And so when I got the new lease for the new property, again, I kind of saw, uh, based on my experience, uh, I saw some of the gaps that we currently or we currently were experiencing in our old location. And uh, we're able to implement that right off the rip and, and make for a smoother negotiation uh, through the process. And so using, using an attorney, reaching out and using somebody who's more fluid in the space is probably the best piece of advice. You're not under the smartest guy in the room. You know? Great advice there. You outsource what you're not the best at to complement your strengths. And as I'm starting to scale now, I'm looking forward to really 
outsourcing all of the areas I'm pretty weak at. And unfortunately, social media has been that weaker point for me over the years. I always looked at it like this. I don't think a school will not bring me in to speak because I don't post every day. That's and that my career path, that's what I'm trying to be with students. And I can write or produce the content to supplement myself. But now we are in this digital age. It's all about reels. I think I was a few years after the reels. So I'm looking forward to bringing someone in to help me get all these reels and the TikTok off the ground. I think that's something that, like you expanding in 2023, I'm trying to do my best to expand in a few ways too, Mick. While we're talking about social media, let's plug yours. Uh, we just uh, relaunched our brand at mickeysubs.com uh, or Mickey Subs Facebook, Mickey Subs Instagram. Uh, we just relaunched with a new brand, new logo design. And we're excited for this year to uh, help bring our brand and brand awareness to the community. I'm looking forward to it as well. Let's dive back into entrepreneurship for our audience. If you could recommend, Mick, any book, tool, app, workshop, something you use or have used that you can attribute some success to, what can you lend forward to our community? The book that I would lean towards isn't something of uh, business savviness or uh, it's the Bible. One of the things that's got me to this point is my faith in God and my my connection with God uh, has been the, one of the main things that's helped drive me forward. And I, I look to it to I look to it to try to get my strength and my my composure for the day. Uh, I didn't really have anybody of a mentor or a digital mentor or somebody I uh, looked up to uh, a lot right. of motivation, a lot of motivational speakers. Uh, over the years, guys like Tony Robbins, and uh, which is super motivational, and there's a guy, Dan Pena, and um, a handful of other these guys that are extreme motivators to get you off your ass and get out there and get it. And so uh, I wish I had more of a, a business book to, to shoot at you, but... There's I no need for there has to be a business. This question is open-ended, and the reason you chose the Bible, I mean, I think that's motivating itself because of the positivity. It levels your head going into the day. We could all use that. I mean, especially in entrepreneurship, it's a 24-7. We're going to be dragged through the mud all the time, and we have to find a way to stay afloat because if we're not thinking clearly, our business will pay the price, and we don't want that to happen. We've talked about your business a lot so far. Is there anything else you want to touch on right now? It's hard making that jump into providing for yourself so i would like everybody to know that you can do it uh there's nothing stopping you but your own mind right there you know right between your ears there's whatever you want to do in this world you can do it i'm, I'm definitely living proof the guy that uh, barely could get the first one open and grinded for three and a half years straight every single day who didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel here i am uh, you know and yes, i yeah, I'd love to. I, anybody who needs any extra motivation, please, you got my Instagram. Please DM me. You know, I'd love to talk to you guys about your projects and coach you through it. I love it, Mick. Well, you just mentioned something how it is hard, it is challenging. What are some of the challenging parts of entrepreneurship as a whole for you? There I are tons it, I know, not to top to yeah, narrow it down. Daily your, your daily motivation is, is one thing, separating motivation from your discipline. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the, you know, one of the toughest things was transitioning. Oh, yeah, I, I want to get this done to having the discipline to making sure it's executed at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes the end of the day doesn't stop at six o'clock when the restaurant closes. I've got to keep pushing for another hour, hour and a half, whatever I got to do to get myself set for success uh, the next day. 
Well said, everybody. What works for some doesn't work for everyone. Find things that set you up for success. Plan out your night, perhaps. Plan out your morning, whatever works for you. Get ready to tackle your day. Mick, thanks for such a great episode so far. I think it's now a great time to hop into this spotlight story before we end the show with finding out which entrepreneur he wants to sit down with throughout history. As I mentioned, this one's going to be with the founder of Subway. Mickey's out here doing big things. We're going to go ahead and get this article started for you. And it, again, it is titled, How a 17-Year-Old with $1,000 Started Subway and Became a B-Billionaire. Not millionaire, billionaire. In 1965, 17-year-old Frank DeLuca asked a family friend, Dr. Peter Buck, for a $1,000 loan. DeLuca used the money to create a sandwich shop in Bridgeport, Connecticut at the time. He had hoped that starting the restaurant would help him pay for college and medical school bills. Realistic goals. This is why Subway's parent company is called Doctors Associates, Inc. Buck had a PhD and DeLuco did want to become a doctor, but the company was named Pete's Super Submarines after Buck. However, on local radio advertisements, Pete's Submarines sounded like pizza marines, which gave listeners a different impression of the business. Here's a lesson learned, everyone. Sometimes things don't go well the first or 100th time. As a result, he and his co-founder renamed the company Pete Subways and then just Subway in 1968. So that's seven years of grinding before they finally got set on Subway. He admitted in his 2012 book that he knew nothing about making sandwiches or the food industry when he got started. So that's really impressive. But despite his inexperience, his youth and his small loan, he saw success pretty quickly, where he and Buck sold 312 sandwiches their first day, each one costing, get this, 49 to 69 cents, according to the Subway website. So that's only as accurate as they say, but it is a long time ago. It's safe to say that he eventually accomplished his goal of putting some food on the table and getting through school. But he only served as president of Subway from 1965 until 2015 because he unfashionably passed away where his sister, Suzanne, took over. Touch on a little more of this article. They started franchising in 1974. So again, that's you know how long after it started. It wasn't right away. It, things take time. The company did expand. And then its first international franchise opened in 1984. So another 10 years in Bahrain. I, I love this story. No money, no knowledge. Just hustle. Got him the dream. Got him the job done, Mick. What do you take away from his story? He's lucky. <laughs> he got he got lucky. Uh, it, in the hospitality industry, I say it specifically, but it actually goes to all industry. If you're not 100% passionate about what you're doing, it's probably not a good idea for you to jump into that. And so here you look at a, an example like me, and we're only three years old, and Subway is obviously way established. But I put in the work. Years of culinary school, 38 restaurants that I've worked for, uh, hospitality management, hotel management, everything I did to lead me to the point of opening because I knew I wanted to open sandwiches and I'm great at it. So when I, I, I would say that he got very lucky on his first thing, but uh, you know, luck is part of the game. It's not, it's not just all, you know, product and your knowledge. You got to have a little bit of luck on your side. We're talking 65 cents a sandwich. This was in the 1960s. There obviously wasn't as much competition as there is today, but it, for a fair measure, 65 cents times 312 sandwiches, whopping $202.80 taken home. But at that time, I mean, that's like big money. 
couple thousand. Mick, we're diving okay. into my favorite question right here. I'm interested because I know you personally here. Which entrepreneur are you choosing throughout history to sit down with and learn something from? So I thought about this when I got the notes last night, and the only one name really came to mind. And uh, forgive me, I'm just going to call him the Colonel, Colonel Sanders. Love it. And there's a, the reason is uh, he, he, was, he didn't reach real success until his 60s. And he had all of these grinding kind of sales jobs and small, mediocre type of career before he started the chicken. And uh, I thought that was the neatest thing that, you know, his path took him down and left, right, and every which way. But at the end of the day, he's left his mark on the world. And what was even cooler about him is he helped other young entrepreneurs. And uh, one of the guys was Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's. And uh, I thought that was the neatest thing to, to me, to be able to be an entrepreneur, expand maybe my restaurant one day and help somebody come up right underneath me. Definitely motivating and something to look up to. I love it. And I'm going to talk about this story with you because I've actually had him as that spotlight story at one point in the early stages. He would drive from state to state trying to get in these places, just grinding like we're sleeping in his car, just hustling. And it does. It is sad because like he's he passed away. We did not see heck, how large KFC has gotten on how many corners. I mean, in big cities like New York, for example, it's like a McDonald's type thing. They're yeah. everywhere. Everywhere. And uh, man, it's a great choice. We're going to take it a step further, Mick. Where are you sitting down with the Colonel? Where am I sitting down with the Colonel? You know what? If, if it still exists, I would say I'd love to sit with him at his very first location. You know, I'm all I'm very nostalgic kind of guy. And so that would kind of set the vibe, set the tempo like this is what you saw as you saw it. You know, what were you thinking at this point? And I'm sure the same, I'm sure some of the same things, actually impossible, some of the same uh, obstacles he endured, labor, insurance, food costs, uh, availability, all those things. I'm sure he had those as factors in his model, just like I do. Those things don't change over time unlike technology. But Mick, you gave a lights out episode. I thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me, join our community of entrepreneurs on this Gasparilla Overload. Everyone who is out here in Tampa, be sure to check out Mickey Subs. Mick, please go ahead and list where those both locations are one more time, and then we'll hit the social media once more. All right. Well, Mickey Subs is currently at 4411 North Armenia Avenue in Tampa, Florida. And that's 33603. Uh, right on the corner of our, uh, Armenia and MLK. That's our main store. And our second store is now at Duckweed Urban Grocery uh, at West Shore Marina District at 5230 Bridge Street, Tampa. Forgive me, I don't know the zip code. Uh, and uh, again, follow us at Mickey Subs Instagram, at Mickey Subs. You, know, you can find us on Facebook also. We'd love to, we'd love to hear from you guys. Everyone, be sure to go check him out if you're in time for Gasparilla. Enjoy your celebrating and be safe. We are at That Entrepreneur Show and at Vincent A. Lancey on all social media. Be sure to head to YouTube to see a video preview from Mickey's episode. He gave a lights out show. And there is one more again tomorrow, another Florida entrepreneur. Until then, I am signing off. Mickey, it's great to see you and thanks for the show. Ben, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it.